My uh, previous career was in the computer world, so I'm always thinking, what if the computers quit working? So, uh, Do you like jokes? I love jokes. I'm no good at telling them, but there's probably one of, one of my favorite types of joke is the, is the um, one that goes about, um, the, the one that says, uh, it's a category of joke. The, the good news, bad news jokes, you know about those? So, um, the, uh, let me, let me give you an example of one. The, um, the man goes to his doctor, I, I don't know, a lot of them seem to have something to do with doctors, but, um, man goes to the doctor and says, doctor, you know, something's wrong with me, and the doctor looks him over and takes some tests, and the doctor comes back and I said, says, I've got some good news and some bad news. And he says, okay, well give me the good news first. And he says, well the good news is, you're gonna have a disease named after you. <laughs> Another one, kind of like it, um, man goes to the doctor says, Doctor, there's something wrong with my vision. I'm having some trouble with my vision. So the doctor um, uh, looks him over and, and uh, does all kinds of tests on his vision. And then the doctor comes back and says, Okay, I've got good news and bad news. And he says, um, this is Okay, well, tell me the good news first. And he says, Well, the good news is you're going to get to have a dog. So we are we are continuing a conversation uh, called the Promise of Christmas, and it's looking at a book um, uh, from the Hebrew Scriptures called Isaiah, and Isaiah is sometimes called the the fifth gospel. Uh, that there, are, as you know, there are four four gospels: Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, um, the the four biographies of Jesus in the New Testament. But Isaiah, from the Hebrew Scriptures, is sometimes called the fifth gospel because there is so much that it has to say about Jesus. It it speaks so much about Jesus, and particularly the passages we'll, we're looking at in this conversation where it talks about the coming of Jesus. So there is a great deal of good news in it, but like those jokes, there is also bad news. Isaiah is not unalloyed good news the way that the gospel accounts are. Isaiah doesn't quite qualify as a, um, as a story of good news because um, it has so much bad news in it. So so despite that, there is good news. And so that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at one of the, one of the good news passages in the book of Isaiah, um, as we see, um, what, what, um, Isaiah is getting at, um, uh, when he talks about the coming of Christ. So, um, our, our reading today is from chapter 11, but in order to be, before we can really get in there, um, uh, I should probably just summarize it this way. It's, it's this idea. If you have to leave early, um, however you fall, God is going to pick you up. However that happens, whether it's something you do or something that is done to you, God will pick you up. However you fall, God will pick you up. So who is Isaiah? Why should we listen to Isaiah when he tells us about Jesus? Isaiah is a prophet who is ministering in the southern kingdom of Judah about 700 BC, so uh, very late in the seventh century. Now, at this point in history, Israel, the nation of Israel, has been divided into two kingdoms. The larger of the two kept the name Israel; it's in the north, and the, the smaller of the two got the name Judah after its largest province. So, the, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. He works in the southern kingdom, and Isaiah is um, the the particular thing that Isaiah is doing is he's saying. Um, there is bad news, and there's also good news. And uh, the, at this time, the, the northern kingdom had just been conquered by the Assyrian Empire. And the reason for that is because they had disobeyed God. The, in particular, the ruling elites of the northern kingdom had disobeyed God in a lot of different ways. Uh, the prophet Amos, uh, one of Isaiah's near contemporaries, he was a couple of decades before Isaiah, but 
Amos spoke to the northern kingdom, and he said things like this. He said, he said, um, hear this, you who trample on the needy and do away with the poor of the land. Um, uh, hear this, as, as you plan to reduce the measure and in, while increasing the price and cheat with dishonest scales. You know, you go to the grocery store and the box of cereal is smaller than it used to be, or, you know, the, the ice cream, it used to be a half gallon and now it's, 3.102 uh, 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 pints or something. Anyway, they've changed the measurements, right? Well, it's one thing when a grocery store does that. But it's another thing when, when the Bureau of Weights and Measurements does it. When they cheat, it, it really affects the poor of the land. So um, so Amos speaks to them and says, you people who are in a, in a leadership role in the country are causing um, the, the needy and the poor to be trampled. And God has noticed this. And uh, in, in Amos's prophecy, uh, the, the prophet speaks to their, their response, which is, wait a minute, God can't punish us because we worship God. We've, we've done our part. We've gone to church. We said the prayers. We sang the songs. God can't possibly do anything to us. And uh, Amos says, well, that's actually one of the reasons God is upset with you, because of your worship, that you, you behave this way. You, 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 Behave one way out in the world, and then you come to to uh, worship, and you put on this religious show. Um, speaking again through Amos, God says, "Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps, but let justice flow like water and righteousness like an unfailing stream." Well, they didn't pay any attention to to Amos, or not enough, because in 722 the northern kingdom was conquered by the Assyrian Empire, which was its northern neighbor. So that happened just a couple of decades before the time that Isaiah wrote the, the prophecy that we're reading today. And in it, Isaiah says, you know, take a look at what happened to them. It's not going to go any better for you. So Isaiah speaks to the ruling elite of the southern kingdom. He says in chapter 3, he says, The Lord brings this charge against the elders and leaders of his people. You have devastated the vineyard. The plunder from the poor is in your houses. Why do you crush my people and grind the faces of the poor? What does he mean by vineyard? Vineyard is his poetic way of describing Israel. Um, later in, in uh, chapter 5, he'll say this, The vineyard of the Lord of, Israel, of, of armies is the house of Israel and the men of Judah, the plant he delighted in. He expected justice and saw injustice. He expected righteousness but heard cries of despair. Isaiah really likes this metaphor about gardening and forests and so forth. So he's going to use it for all of the next several chapters. So so he says, you're behaving just like they did in the northern kingdom. Can't you learn from their example? You saw what happened to them just a couple of decades ago. Do you want that to happen to you? God will not ignore your behavior. God wanted Israel to stand out. God wanted Israel to be different from the nations, and you're acting just like the nations. That if there's no difference, if 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 you are no different from the surrounding nations, then why would God take care of you? And in fact, that's what he says. He says, now I will tell you what I'm about to do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge, and it will be consumed. I will tear down its wall, and it will be trampled. I will make it a wasteland. God says, I will remove my protection from the nation of Judah that it will no longer have my protection. And then, good luck, you know, good luck taking on the Assyrian Empire on your own, or Egypt, or any of the other neighboring countries, Babylon or whatever. So he's saying, once once my protection is withdrawn, you're on your own, and good luck with that. And so so that is the that is the thing that, that Isaiah has spoken now to the southern kingdom's leaders, the same way that Amos did uh, roughly a century earlier to, to the northern kingdom. So that's the situation 
um, as we as we begin our reading, and we kind of we can imagine um, if you're in the ruling elite, would you say, well, that would be bad if if we got conquered by Assyria, that would be bad. We saw what happened when they did conquer the northern kingdom, so yeah, that would be bad if that happened to us. But if we're some of the people, we might say, actually, you know, I didn't vote for any of those guys. I'd be perfectly fine if this country got overrun by the Assyrian Empire. And, and Isaiah says, no, you really wouldn't. The Assyrian Empire is no better. It's not that God likes them. It's not that that's going to be an upgrade. It's simply that God will not tolerate Judah acting like the, uh, like the Assyrian Empire. And in fact, Isaiah says, when they, when they conquer you, they will treat you so badly that God will have to punish them. That he says, he says, um, he says, the, the, the Lord God of armies will chop off the branches with terrifying power, and the tall trees, these great empires, Babylon and um, Assyria, they will be cut down, the high trees felled. He is clearing the thickets of the forest with an axe, and Lebanon with its majesty will fall. So he's continued this gardening forestry metaphor, and he's saying that God is going to do to them what he does to you, but he's doing it to you because he expected you to be different. Now, they just are getting what's coming to them. So that's the bad news. He's told them the bad news, but he's not all about the bad news. He is the the good news, bad news prophet. So he goes on now and tells them the good news, which is um, where we pick things up in chapter 11. So he says, a shoot will grow up from the stump of Jesse, a branch will sprout from his roots. So still with the gardening metaphors, but he's saying, he's saying, yes, God has cut down all the trees that, that because of, because of these um, these things that have already been told, uh, the, the trees, the, the nations will be, will be devastated, but they will not be destroyed utterly. There will be new growth. He says, a shoot will grow up from the stump. Who is the stump of Jesse? The stump of Jesse, Jesse is the father of King David. King David is the, the mythic king, the greatest king in Israel's history. And he's looking back three centuries and says, like, like David, but even better than David, because David, David was a man after God's own heart, um, and he was a good king by all by the accounts we have. He was a good king, but we know he wasn't a perfect king. There was, you know, the affair with um, Bathsheba. There was the way that he he dealt with the problems between his two children, Amnon and Absalom, which resulted in a civil war. There was a census that he took of the nation with all of the trouble that that caused. David was not a great, I mean, he was a great king, but he was not a perfect king. And um, Isaiah says this new king, the one who is from the shoot of, of uh, Jesse, the Lord's spirit will rest upon him, a spirit of wisdom and understanding, a spirit of planning and strength, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. So he will be like David, only more so. He will be even better than David, not just a man after God's heart, but a man in whom God's spirit dwells. So he says he will delight in fearing the Lord. He won't judge by appearances nor decide by hearsay. He will he will do what a king should do. He will judge the needy with righteousness and decide with equity for those who suffer in line. He will lift up the oppressed. He will do exactly what the leaders, the corrupt leaders of the northern kingdom and southern kingdom were not doing. He will actually lift them up instead of changing the, the weights and measures for them. And he will strike the violent with the rod of his mouth. By the breath of his lips, he will kill the wicked. He will throw, uh, he will throw down the oppressors. So people who are abusing their power, they will be, they will be punished. And, um, it's interesting, you know, the, the, 
there's kind of a pop culture idea. The, the, the God of the Old Testament is this mean God who's always beating up people. But notice what he says. Um, he will strike the violent with the rod of his mouth. Uh, with the breath of his lips, he will kill the wicked. He's not talking about using a sword or a club or something like that. He's saying he's saying that through through uh, discourse, through through the words of his mouth, speaking speaking rationally to them, he will actually punish them. So so whatever that looks like, I don't know. But it's not simply you know the 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 image we might have of a bloody battle or something like that. So. Uh, righteousness will be the belt around his hips and the faithfulness the belt around his waist. The idea there is in the, the, the clothing that people wore in Isaiah's time, it was basically a robe and you would put a belt around it to hold it all together. You know, like if you've had a robe, you probably tied something in the middle. You have that belt, which, which completes the, the outfit. But more than that, it gives you something if you want to do something, you can tuck the, the robe into that. And so, uh, they would girdle their waist, the belt around their waist. If they needed to go into action, that's how they would do it. So he's saying that the two most important things that, that this that this king is dressed in is righteousness and faithfulness. This is what holds his his um, outfit together. So this is good news. So this is this is good news. And if you're if you're one of the people who's listening to Isaiah, you would say, well, I don't like the conquering by Assyria. You know, I don't like the idea of becoming a a toy in the game of empires. That doesn't sound very fun. That definitely qualifies as bad news. But this is good news. You're talking about somebody who is far better than the kings we've had over the last couple of centuries. You're talking about somebody who's who's like David, only better. That sounds good to me. And and at that point, Isaiah says, no, no, that's not good news. Let me tell you some real good news. He says, he says, elevate your expectations. He's saying, buckle up, because God's got really, really good news. That's just the tip of the iceberg. He says, the wolf will lie down with the, will live with the lamb, and the leopard will lie down with the young goat. The calf and the young lion will feed together, and a little child will lead them. The cow and the bear will graze, the young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like an ox. He, he breaks out the poetry. He's, he's kind of moved on from the gardening metaphor. Really, he's, he's kept the gardening metaphor, but he's delved into it because he's talking not just about any garden, any forest. He's talking about the garden. He's talking about the Garden of Eden. He's saying that everything that has gone wrong with the world since page two of the Bible, will be rolled back. It will be undone. That this new king is not just going to be like David. He's not even going to be better than David. He's going to undo everything that has gone wrong with the world. A nursing child, he says, will play over the snake's hole. Toddlers will reach right over the serpent's den. It's no accident. He's talking about the snake in the garden. It's no accident that he uses the idea of a snake. That even a child has nothing to fear from the 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 snakes in this world, whether they're literal snakes or the metaphorical source of humanity's downfall. He's saying that's what kind of king we're talking about. The earth will surely be filled with the knowledge of the Lord, just as water covers the sea. The the knowledge of God will no longer be the, the unique property of Israel. It will be something that is that is broadcast and, and people around the world will be aware of the knowledge of God. They will they will have the original the original vocation that God gave humanity to to tend and keep the garden and to have fellowship with their creator. This is this is a complete restore restoration of everything that has gone wrong. And he says, on that day, the root of Jesse, this king, will stand as a signal to the people and the, the peoples, and the nations will seek him out, and his dwelling will be glorious. 
He says that, that he will be a sign for people to rally around. This word signal is, is like a flag, a banner that, that in an army you would, you'd say, well, you know, where's, where's the king? Okay, let's go to that hill. That's where, that's where he is. So he will be a signal to the nations and they will all rally around him. So this is the good news. He says, whatever your idea of good news is, if you'd settle for just a better king, raise your expectations. There's going to be something much better than that. It's going to be a complete reversal of everything that has gone wrong. So that is good news. But it's a promise. It's a promise. For seven centuries, it was only a promise. Isaiah said this was going to happen, but it didn't happen until Jesus was born. Until Jesus became incarnate, that king was only a promise. But at Christmas, we remember he did eventually come to fulfill that promise. And he inaugurated his kingdom. And he will return to complete the work of his kingdom, to bring all that, that glorious imagery of the, the bears and uh, lions and so forth, to bring that into reality. And we can now live as citizens of his kingdom. Even though he has not returned, even though the kingdom has not been fully realized, we can live as its kingdom because Jesus said the kingdom is here among us, that the kingdom is growing in secret. It's like yeast in a batch of dough. It's like a seed underground, and we can be part of the kingdom right now. So how do we, how do, we do that? How can we live as citizens of his kingdom? Well... The first thing we can do is we can take a, take a cue from Isaiah. We can not just share bad news. I think Christians often have a reputation, you know, as finger waggers. You know, it's like, no, no, no. If you do that, you're going to get in trouble. You know, if you keep on doing what you're doing, it's not going to be pretty. You know, you're cruising for a bruise. And I think oftentimes Christians have this, this um, reputation as people who are scolders, who who will say, look at you and say, you know, you gotta stop that, you gotta start doing something else. You know, that, that's, that's the, the impression we make of people. And, and like Isaiah, there is bad news, you know, and we can, we can bear that bad news. We can come to people and say, look, I, I, it hurts me to see what you're doing. But we should never leave it there and say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry you're, you're going to have to suffer here. I'm sorry that your tree's gonna get cut down. Instead, we can be like Isaiah and say, there's also some good news. Let me tell you about Jesus. So we can share the good news as well as the bad news. So that's one way we can, we can live as citizens. We can actually talk about not just the bad news, but about the good news. Something else we can do is we can, we can act as citizens that, that, um, if we are citizens of the kingdom, then we have the opportunity to not contribute. You know, we, we may not, we may not be able to solve the problems in this world. You know, ultimately, the problems of lions and lambs is not going to be solved by any human being. That that's just their nature. Until Christ returns to to complete the work of of uh, redemption, there are there are things in this world that are just going to be beyond us. But we can at least not make them any worse. We can at least contribute um, by not adding to the problem. So we can do that as his citizens. And more than that, because we have the Holy Spirit living in us, we can actually minister in the face of these problems. We can't, we can't overcome them, but we can minister in the face of them. So something we can do is we can do right. Just like Isaiah, just like Amos said, uh, religion is not simply about putting on a show on Sundays. That we can actually do right. So, God didn't want 
mere worship. He didn't want a religious show. But at the same time, God calls us to be a sign. He said the nations will, uh, that Jesus will be a signal to the, a, a sig- signal to the nations. And today the nations can rally around the church. The church is the body of Christ in the world. And so we can, we can demonstrate the kingdom of God because it is growing invisibly among us. We can be the demonstration of the kingdom of God. How can we do that? Well, we can do it by doing those other things, but also by our worship, by actually gathering in worship. And we're going to do that today in a particular way. We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. And that is an example of what Jesus is talking about when he says, he says that they will come from east and west and north and south and sit together at table in his kingdom. That we can be part of that coming together of the world where the, the entire world shares in the kingdom of God. So one of the things we can do is we can be a rallying point for the whole world. We can be a rallying point for our community. We can be a place where God's grace is demonstrated in such a way that people can come to it. So we will be receiving the gifts from this table in just a moment so that we can so that we can be about the work of kingdoms we can, uh, of, of citizens of the kingdom we can we can do what is right we can tell people good news along with the bad and we can remind them that however they fall god will pick them up let us pray heavenly father we thank you for the the message of isaiah it's never good to hear bad news but if we must have bad news, Lord, let us um, remember there is so much good news because Jesus has come and he has already begun his kingdom and when he returns, he will complete it. Help us to live as citizens of that kingdom until his return. We pray it in his holy name. Amen.